Hey, what's up, everybody? Billy Ward here with the Billy Ward Podcast, episode number three. I'm incredibly excited uh, about our guest today, Matthew Dwyer. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. Um, Here at the show, we are going to share a little bit of our own stories in an effort to provide you with a framework by which to live. Maddie, if we could um, just kick off uh, our episode with what are you grateful for at this at this moment? Could be anything from your cup of tea to, to something bigger. Black coffee. It's been a big part of my morning ritual. And um, I've been singing a lot. So I'm really grateful to have a place in my house. It's not a big place, I live in a little house, um, where I can sing and chant with my harmonium. And sometimes without it, I'm getting more comfortable without it. Uh, but just to be able to do that and not have like neighbors pound in the door. You know, we have a new neighbor that just moved upstairs. And when she came in, I was like, I wonder if she's going to be okay with me, like singing in the morning. And she has, so that's cool. <laughs> awesome. I got to ask you too, what, what is your uh, hat uh, Is that Sanskrit? Yeah, it means Ram. So right. Ram is one of the names in, in the Indian wisdom tradition, the name of God. And uh, they say that the name is more powerful than Ram himself because it's, because it's naming the unnameable. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Um, I have a Sanskrit tattoo uh, on my chest, Namaste. So oh, right um, I, I love the writing um, and the philosophy behind mm. uh, all that wisdom. Maybe we start off, Maddie, uh, just with sharing with our audience um, some of what you do and, and some of what's most important to you in this life. Hmm. So right now, uh, I'm teaching yoga full time. So that includes like both physical asana, uh, it includes meditation classes. And really, my path of yoga is, is bhakti yoga. It's the yoga of devotion, the yoga of love. And there's a lot of ways that you can practice that. And there's a lot of ways you can teach it, which I think is important because sometimes people will they'll teach something in a way that it's there's, they say like, this is the way you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's doing yoga a disservice. Like there's many ways that we can uh, teach bhakti and practice bhakti yoga. So I would say that I'm a bhakti yoga teacher, teaching yoga, asana, meditation, and um, also kirtan, namasan kirtan, which means chanting the names of the divine. Um, So chanting the names of God. And besides that, I also do some work in hospice. So I, I sit with people who are dying and I try to do a lot of service. In Sanskrit, they call it seva. So I try to, we have a, a big outreach program called Love Seva. It's mostly on the West Coast and we've done some on the East Coast too. But um, it's just, serving people. So we have different modalities to usually serve the people who are not fortunate enough to be able to go into a yoga class or come to a kirtan or sit with someone for private meditation. So. Mm, mm. I'm really uh, excited you brought up bhakti and, and I want to talk a little bit about the hospice as well. Um, when we crossed paths years ago in a yoga studio, I think we were practicing together for mm-hmm. the first time and uh, I, I think I felt an energy uh, so much so that I, I wanted to introduce myself. Mm. I was interested in some of the tattoos and um, <laughs> But what really interested me most was this idea that here was a guy my age or close in age um, that was so willing and open to talk about love. Mm. 
a topic that a, a lot of men um, don't don't ever really talk about. Um, yeah. Sometimes men go to live desperate lives, and we go to the grave without ever kind of opening up. And and here was a guy on a yoga mat within two feet from me that I felt like this guy was in a radical pursuit of, of mm -hmm. not only loving himself. Um, but also loving others. Can we talk a little bit about that path and, and what led you there? Yeah, and you kind of just opened up a lot um, and reminded me a lot too. And I, I also want to say like that connection and that energy and that transmission was felt equally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's like with anything is we're, we're attracted to certain things that are like without sounding super like airy fairy, like the same kind of wavelength or same planet or same vibration. But you just reminded me a lot of the work that I did initially getting into the, the practice of yoga was men's work. So <clears throat> I met one of my main teachers, David Harshita Wagner, a bunch of years ago, and he was writing his book. And so we were uh, a men's book on spirituality and reclaiming masculinity. And a lot of the initial teachings in that period of my life were around men's work. So being able to sit in a group of men from all walks of life, I mean, there was military men there, there was yoga guys there, there were like motorcycle people there, there were, you know, hippies there. And it was this kind of ragtag group of men that we would meet up in New York and we went to Kripalu a couple times, and um, there's another spot uh, up there, and I think it's called Menla. So we would have these weekends where it was just men mm -hmm. talking about you know things like purpose, things like love. And in the beginning, it was really part of my my mission is to start having these conversations with men mm. because, like you said, we we kind of really need that, yeah. you know, when we. We, if we don't have it, we sort of will go home and the connection we have with men might be, you know, at the bar mm -hmm. or, you know, like watching sports. And it's all good. Like if that's how someone connects, that's, that's fine. But I think that men really want to go deeper. Yeah. And up until a certain point in evolutionary, like we, we didn't have, we didn't have that outlet so much mm. like if we look at all of the work that women have done over the past 30 40 years like all this um, huge movement which is amazing men have like I don't know they've like lost their purpose in a lot mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speaking really generally you know yeah yeah and and then so you go to these yoga studios and you start seeing some some men there and maybe you connect there but not every guy wants to go to a yoga studio yeah you know, sometimes it's not their thing. And like, we have to meet people where it is that they are. You know, we have to meet people, you know, where, where they are on their path. I couldn't agree more. I've had some incredibly uh, powerful conversations in, in, in a parking lot at a Krausers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just mm -hmm. walking out with a, a quart of milk. Um, you mentioned in there uh, this idea with, with David, uh, one of your friends, um, of reclaiming masculinity. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you mean by that? That's such a big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's especially now, it's like masculinity can sometimes look like it be looked at as a toxic word. You know, and, you, and then, you know, we can put all this new 
new age jargon on it, and then we really can look at toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. We're like, you know, violent, sort of overly macho, um, really kind of closed. If we get into like the archetypes, it's a lot of time like the warrior archetype who is like doesn't have any of the lover, who -hmm. doesn't have any of like the magician or the, the sage or whatever you want to call that archetype. You know, it's like straight warrior. And for most, I think for most modern day men, they don't really get to actually use that warrior in a way. A lot of them, you know, like we're just, they're on the couch. Mm-hmm. And, and they become sort of calloused and hard. Mm. So like, what does it mean to be like a masculine man in, you know, 2020? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's taking off that toxic kind of crap and being able to look at ourselves and then like get our communities back. You know, like what does it mean to support your loved ones? You know, like to support your partner, whether it's a female or a male, you know, to take care of your kids so they have positive role models, you know, to, to take care of your community. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make my community better mm-hmm. and not just the community of your, your yoga, community or your motorcycle community or your gardening community, whatever it is, but like a community as a whole that we start looking at a global community and, you know, right now it's so easy to see a global community in some ways. But instead of just like looking at it as this is my little plot of land, this is my little tribe and I need to protect them, you know, because that's the other side of it is like, I can even just feel that like kind of thing going over me. It's like, I have to protect this little thing here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, we need to like really protect and love everyone. So I, what you're saying or what I hear you saying is like maybe maybe long ago, you know, the, the warrior in us was was, you know, we had to, you know, strap on our, our equipment or our tools and go mm-hmm. out and hunt for the day and come home and bring food and spend a lot of day uh, isolated and alone, you know, mm-hmm. walking through the forest or the woods looking for food. Um, and, and maybe, according to what I hear you saying, maybe today, you know, this day and age, part of that that challenge from a warrior perspective is to have the guts, right? Mm-hmm. To, to kind of take a look at, at who you are and really consider that relationship with yourself um, and then also begin to look outside of yourself and, and how, am I, how, how can I be of service um, as a man in this day and age? Yeah, yeah. And what you were doing earlier, you were doing this thing and it reminded me of, uh, there's a, a Hindu god, his name is Hanuman, he actually serves Ram. And there's a part in the story where he rips his chest open to show that the names of Ram and Sita, Sita is the feminine counterpart, like carved into the bones on his body. And I just, I think of Hanuman so much as like the perfect embodiment of bhakti yoga, but also the perfect embodiment of a warrior. You know, and, and yeah, so like it used to be strap on, go out there and, and protect or go out there and hunt. You know, so I think that it's an interesting thing to think like a lot of men, when we do connect, we're not usually like this. We're usually kind of like shoulder to shoulder. Yes, driving in a car. Yeah, car, yeah, yeah. sitting Going down, yeah. yeah, watching like a sports team or something or, or like even like at a concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and we're a product of our environments. So we don't have that, it's not an environment of, for most of us anyway, there are obviously still is, but for most of us there's not. So how, how do we connect with that warrior spirit 
and also connect with the spirit of, of the lover. You know, like, just because we are a warrior doesn't mean at the end of the day, we don't, you know, take off the, the pack. We don't take mm -hmm. off the armor. We don't uh, keep it on because otherwise it'll get sort of like, you know, really getting going to beat this symbol to death, but it'll get like super hard and calloused and get stuck mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Like a warrior to me these days is someone who goes out and gets shit done. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like, okay, what, what are we doing now? It's the, this is the beginning of May when we're, we're doing this interview and, you know, guard, let's garden, let's go out there and like get it done. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, the king is kind of like the ruler. He's, he has this vision, uh, you know, the vision of our life and the warrior is going to go out and, you know, till the soil and plant, plant everything. And, you know, the lover can go out there and, you know, look at how beautiful these plants are and, and talk to them and have that sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, the magician or the, the sage or the mage, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, it'll go out there and it'll, we can, you know, have some kind of spiritual connection to it. You know, like it, appreciate the, the life that's growing from the ground and, um, yeah, being able to like work with the, the alchemy of the earth. Mm -hmm. Is part of your approach with, with the bhakti yoga um, to seek God in, in, in all things, uh, in, including yourself? Yeah, yeah. It, so bhakti is, is an interesting path because sometimes it can be looked at as dualistic. You know, it's a dualistic being like God is here and Matthew's here. Mm -hmm. And the practice that, in, that I come from and the lineage that I come from is non-dualistic. Yeah. So it's like God is here, but God is also here and God is here mm -hmm. and God is behind the, the camera lens. And the practices of, of bhakti can look very dualistic because you're, you're singing like you're singing the names of God. You know, God, 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 I love you, I love you, I love you. you know, mm -hmm. Essentially, is what so, so many of the translations mean. But you call out to that lover, the beloved, to then find that beloved is here. And it's just this dance, you know, and it's like you call to the, the one to then dance with the one and then merge with the one. And then again, there's separation. And it, it's just this beautiful, you know, rolling display of emotions and, and, and longing. You know, there's like longing is a huge part of the, the bhakti practice. Like, where are you? You know, prayer, you know, even worship. Mm. And we eventually, that, that worship and that, that dualistic practice, um, you know, has tastes of, of oneness. It's interesting. You, you talk about the, the non-dual mind, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, in seeking God, but also recognizing that God is here and there and, and behind the, the camera. Um, isn't that, that philosophy just incredibly applicable to just about everything? Mm -hmm. You know, just seeing this, this oneness uh, and this connection that we share, not only with ourselves, but each other and, and all of nature. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Yeah. Right? It's so hard. You know, the practice that one of my, my teachers, Neem Kroli Baba, uh, says, love everyone. You know, Ramdas was a, his guru was Neem Kroli Baba. 
And they, he taught, love everyone, serve everyone, always remember God. That's the only thing he, he taught, mostly, for the Westerners. And this practice of loving everyone is kind of, it's really interesting, especially now, because we can say it really easily, love everyone. Mm -hmm. I love you, I love you. But then there's all these people that really trigger us. It's, sure. You know, you look on any social media, any television network, and it's just like, oh, shit. I will, the practice isn't to me to love the people that are easy for me to love. The practice is for me to love everyone, not from here, right? It's from here, right? That like aspect of Hanuman. We're not, we're not loving from the mind, even though the mind can help us. The mind's not a demon. So often we demonize the mind in yoga. So we don't even really get to do this practice of heart work. Mm -hmm. you know, we just stick to the body, the physical practice for many, many people. And really it's, you know, what is, when I, when I look at someone who upsets me that I don't agree with, I have to say, well, what is that telling me about me or anybody really? That's like, a powerful question. Right? Well, yeah. because, because the practice is to, for me to love everyone equally. Mm. Right? So, so, you know, that, that's hard. You know, if you go into a, a prison, you, you'll be around people who are, you know, have done really awful crimes. And it's not that people shouldn't, you know, be let go because they've done crappy things and, yeah, love everyone and just run rampant. No, but it's still to see them as, as a soul mm. and to see them as, as, as divine. Mm. I hear you saying, so I, I want to talk about this with, with our audience, right? Because um, we're all triggered, right? And we all run into those, those people that kind of get under our skin. And I think in those moments, sometimes we justify, hey, I, I can react to that because they're doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and you're saying, one of the first things I hear you saying is like, when somebody pisses you off or triggers you, instead of reacting to them, you immediately ask yourself, hmm. what is it about me? Um, and the way that I'm seeing that is allowing myself to be triggered by, by this person. Yeah, and that's if you can in the moment. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's just reaction, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the other day I was out, <laughs> I was at the garden store, and I was, as I was leaving, I'll, it'll be a short story. Some, some guy was walking his dog and he yelled something at me. And at first I just wanted to know what he was saying. Like maybe am I going down the wrong street? Am I going a one-way street? And then my dogs were barking, his dogs were barking. I couldn't hear him. And he just had this kind of thing about him where he looked like he was pissed off at me. All right, so I was gonna just leave it at that. And I just said, all right, have, have a nice day. And I was gonna ride and he just looked at me and goes, I don't wanna have a nice day. And my, like, yeah, to love everyone, like, well, and that, you know, but we live in a dualistic thing. So especially being from like, yeah, no offense, but from New Jersey and like all of a sudden, like all I want to do is react, you know, and I did. And I was just like, Wah, uh. you know, so I didn't have this, you know, in the back of my head, I was going love everyone, love everyone. But also I was pissed, you know, so um, long story short is he eventually like went into his house and I was still out in the car. I was angry, mm -hmm. you know, and I drive a little Prius. If anyone has a Prius, as like the <laughs> they have the wimpiest horns, right? And my, my last thing was, eat, you know, and the crappy little horn, you know, it was, it was, yeah, and I drove away. 
and I was, you know, my blood was boiling. And yeah, I, I did a couple practices as I was driving to, to you know, try to calm myself down. Mm. But it's a practice, right? So like in that moment of of this this guy and I, like, which could have been a pretty easy, simple, okay, yeah, sorry, thanks a lot, and drove away. You know, I was tested, and I didn't in that moment say, "What is this telling me about myself?" But there is a reflection or a quality. You know. I can have time to be reflective about it and say, well, what the heck was that all about? Yeah. You know, I still yeah. have work to do back sure, to the drawing sure, board. Sure, sure. Back to the drawing board. And does that ever really end? Going going back to the drawing board? It's kind of like a lifelong commitment. We are we are beautiful beings of imperfect perfection. You know. And I don't think it I don't want to say that it lets us off the hook to just like constantly screw up, you know, and I'll, I'll be like harsh on myself or like constantly have these bumps in the road because that can be the other thing that we get, it gets tricky is, well, everything is God and everything is perfect. So whatever, mm -hmm. but we can't just say whatever because, because then we're, we're we become really complacent and, you know, our practice gets really floppy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, uh, because then like whatever turns into just, you know, Ramda says like, you know, everything is a teaching and even our suffering is a teaching. So everything is grace. So I heard this beautiful analogy. Well, if everything is grace, right? So they said, well, this is when they when they say it's kind of like a teaching or something that someone has said that's been passed down. We have to act like it's not though, right? So it's like if we were rain, if we were walking in the rain. I heard this the other day. If we're walking in the rain. For us to catch the water, to drink it, we have to open our hands mm. and catch it. Um, I thought that was, I've been thinking about that a lot the past couple, Beautiful. couple of weeks. So what I hear you saying is um, this idea that we are both human and divine, coupled with an awareness that in order for things to happen, in order for us to, to have a drink of water, we need to do some stuff. And, and we need to put some of these ideas of, of love into action. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of a, a better or more important idea to, to provide our audience with uh, today. And I'm super grateful uh, for your openness. Um, I'm also glad you noticed that I do this because mm -hmm. it's been uh, a, a real symbolic move of, of mine just in terms of being... Um, a man in this world who wants to, to be open, uh, mm. not only to myself, but, but to others. Um, I can't thank you enough for being here. Um, you are a guy that I just like being around. Um, and the, the wisdom that, and the grace and, and the love that you are sharing is certainly <laughs> felt and experienced. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, taking a walk with us and for being with us here today. Much love and peace. Take care.